Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to the Bunker Daily. I'm Ros Taylor. Since 1973, Americans have had the constitutional right to abortion because of a famous ruling called Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court reaffirmed that right in 1992, but the right to abortion has never been enshrined in federal legislation, and that means the Supreme Court can overturn it. And that's exactly what they intend to do, according to a leaked opinion by the Conservative Justice Samuel Alito. Joining me from Iowa to talk about what this means for American women is the author, writer and journalist Liz Lenz. Liz, welcome to The Bunker. Thank you so much for having me. Liz, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, states will be able to ban abortion. How many are likely to do that? I believe right away, 11, between 11 and 13 are posed to immediately take away the right to abortion, and several more will follow. For example, in Iowa, we recently had a, a state Supreme Court ruling that allowed abortion, so it overturned a Republican law that would have outlawed abortion. So, um, but there's, you know, there's nothing to stop lawmakers from passing another law and having that go up to through the courts again. So I think you'll start seeing a real domino effect. And is abortion going to be banned outright in these states? Will some states go for the still very low six-week bans but allow some exemptions? You know, right now there are some states scrambling to um, codify abortion rights into their laws. Um, Some states have already done that. Some seem to be trying to do that right now to enshrine the law. But what you're going to see is challenges to those laws, because if the Supreme Court, you know, doesn't uphold Roe v. Wade as the law of the land, you're going to start seeing a lot more challenges. And then functionally, what this means on the ground for women is that even in states where perhaps abortion is legal, it's still going to be hard to access because right now the laws, I mean, since 1973, we've seen just a slow erosion of the right to access abortion. There has been a withdrawal of federal funds from abortion clinics, meaning that it's expensive. There's not a lot of abortion clinics. There's a lot of maps that show that, especially in the middle of America, Women have to drive, you know, uh, 20 to 50 plus miles to get an abortion. And, you know, that can be really limiting if you don't have the money, if you don't have the time off of work. 
and then drive back again after the abortion, which can be a traumatic thing to do. A Washington Post poll have found that only 28% of Americans want Roe v. Wade overturned. Do you think that weighs at all with the current Supreme Court? No, I don't think so. What's happened in America is this very specific conservative plan to overturn Roe v. Wade. Back in the 1970s, with the rise of Jimmy Carter, there was something in America called, they called it the rise of the new right, which latched on to abortion and so many other things as a core issue that they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. So you've seen this slow progression of conservatives appointing conservative judges at state levels all the way up to the Supreme Court. So this has been the plan all along. You know, I grew up in a very conservative family and we would go to these rallies and we would, my family would go lobby our senators about these laws. And so, you know, my whole life I've seen this movement from the inside. So this has been the plan all along. When Americans voted for Donald Trump, a lot of them held their noses and voted for him because they knew he would appoint conservative Supreme Court justices. So, you know, one of the tensions here in America is that this isn't democracy, right? This is theocracy, because if it was democracy, you know, we would be ruling what people want, and people want the access to abortion. Women want reproductive justice, and they want to be able to make choices for themselves. So what you have here is, you know, this minority of Supreme Court justices telling Americans what they can and cannot do with their bodies. Talk us through why the court thinks that Roe v. Wade is a flawed ruling, just so we know what the legal reasoning is behind all this. Well, it's important to say that the the draft that was leaked is a very, uh, you know, it, it's a draft, so it will probably be updated and revised. But from reading through the draft, it seems that there's a lot going on in there. Um, one of the reasonings is that it should be a state's issue, which is truly a cop-out. Another issue is, you know, about fetal rights and, you know, balancing those against the right of the mother, which is, you know, truly inherently a problem. And and the, the draft also seems to imply that other rulings could be up for debate, such as the the right to gay marriage. You know, it seems to be saying that because in the original American Constitution, these rights were not enshrined. Therefore, the Supreme Court has no authority to uphold them, which, you know, is very flawed because the American Constitution didn't even recognize, you know, the right to suffrage for Black people or women, you know, in its original, in its original draft. So it's not like we had a perfect document to start this country. And that's why we've needed amendments. But this interpretation seems to be saying that because the Constitution doesn't specifically say abortion, that women shouldn't have that right. And yet, in the nomination hearings, all three of the conservative justices that Trump put forward made statements about how the 1973 ruling was an important precedent and that it had been reaffirmed many times. Did they only say that to smooth their nominations? Were they always planning to get behind Alito's view? Oh, absolutely. 
you know, it was never, it was never a doubt in so many minds that this wasn't exactly what they had planned. I mean, you look at the history of who Justice Amy Coney Barrett is and who Brett Kavanaugh is. This was always going to be the issue that they were put in place to overturn. It was a promise that conservative presidents have been making to their constituents for years. And their, you know, their milk toast assurances that Roe v. Wade was, you know, established precedent, I think was only made to soothe the minds of more centrist politicians. And, um, you know, but it it was always a farce. And, you know, I think that anybody who believed that is a real idiot. There is a bill going to the Senate this week that would enshrine abortion rights in federal law rather than on the basis of Roe v. Wade. What are its chances of getting through? Uh, not great. We have to try, obviously. It's worth a shot. But there are two Democratic senators who really seem to not want to act like Democrats. They want to act like Republicans. And that's Kirsten Sinema and Joe Manchin. And, you know, they've, they've stated that this is not something that they're going to do which again flies in the face of the will of their constituents you know so one you have to ask like is this really a democracy or is america a theocracy and so we'll see i i guess i have to say that as we all know this has just been a wild couple of years in the world so anything can happen but it doesn't seem very likely that it will pass as you mentioned earlier You grew up in an anti-abortion household and you said the plan was always to overturn Roe. Tell us about your journey and how you came to see a different worldview because it's an interesting one and some people do change their minds like on abortion. You probably have a quite unique insight into how people who are against abortion think. Yeah, so I I grew up homeschooled in Texas, very conservative. You know, in your mind, you think the stereotype of the big family wearing jean jumpers, and that was us. But my family's been on a journey. I am one of eight children, so there are five girls and three boys. And that journey, you know, involves sexual assault. Me and my sisters have, um, you, there's quite a few of us who are victims of assault, and there are quite um, a few of us who've had bad marriages. We've lived lives. And I think um, having so many sisters and watching, you know, our progression through life really radicalized, you know, ourselves and my parents to say, this is women need to be able to choose what happens to them. And we need to be able to make these sorts of reproductive justice choices. And, you know, early on in two of my sister's lives, they were involved in a very bad car accident. And one had to learn how to walk again. And I think my family journeying through that and seeing that if this sister, um, the one who had to learn how to walk again, ever had a baby, it could kill her because she actually got the wrong blood type during an emergency surgery. And so right now, pregnancy could end her life. And so, you know, we need, we need that option. And I think that just, again, the, the, 
the slow progression of living life really makes you understand how important it is for women to be able to hold on to that, you know, small scrap of bodily autonomy, especially in America where, you know, we have the worst maternal mortality rate of the developed nations. Pregnancy is often a death sentence for women in America. That's especially Black women. That's especially Indigenous women. And so, you know, like these are realities women in America just really have to grasp with. You know, birth is so expensive for us. Postpartum care is prohibitively expensive. And another thing that's happening is maternity wards across America are shutting down because they're too expensive for hospitals to run. And frankly, people just don't care. And so, um, you know, you, you, bundle all these things up. And I think it it really radicalizes women on the ground. And I know that's what happened to me and my sisters and my family. And now we are all very, very pro-choice. So maternity wards are shutting down, despite the fact that the Supreme Court wants to ban abortion. It's just a cognitive dissonance that's hard to get hold of, isn't it? Oh, it's, well, it's not, I mean, the People who are against abortion, you know, talk about like saving the babies and caring for babies. But I mean, there's no effort to stem the tide of maternal mortalities. Right now, we have a formula shortage in America. Nothing is being done to stop that, right? There's no paid child care. Whatever child care tax credit we had during the pandemic was not renewed recently. So there is no safety. There's no social safety net for American families. And now there's any, any, you know, any choice we have is going to be taken away. So it's what you're going to see is people being forced into poverty and forced into families. And um, it's it's just going to get worse. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Joe Biden is also in an interesting position because he's a Catholic and he used to be anti-abortion. Now he's pro-choice. Is that a journey that maybe a lot of Americans can actually get behind? Or is he seen as not outspoken enough on a woman's right to choose? During the campaign, um, his campaign was very outspoken about codifying Roe v. Wade into law. They were very outspoken about passing something called the ERA, which would have been a constitutional amendment and still could be if there was any political will behind it. And what we've seen is 
nothing. It's, you know, I think that there were for so many Americans, they were very comfortable and thought that this would never happen. And there were so many feminists and abortion activists saying this will happen and nobody you know, would listen to us. And now here it is happening. And I think there are many centrists in America scrambling to try and figure out how to fix a problem that they should have had a plan for a long time ago. And so I guess what Joe Biden does remains to be seen. But right now, his statements on the issue have been very milquetoast, very wishy-washy, and not what I think the majority of Americans would like to see on this issue. So you say centrists are scrambling. I mean, how are pro-choice campaigners mobilizing to act if states do ban abortion, which you say they will take the first opportunity to do? What kind of things will I mean, presumably the internet will make all this easier, perhaps, to enable women to get an abortion, even though, of course, it will be more difficult. Yeah, I I think in, you know, in the states where they are, um, where they have Democratic led state houses and governors, I think you'll see a rush to codify abortion rights into law there. You're also seeing a lot of Americans talking about stockpiling Plan B, which is complicated because, you know, Plan B doesn't work for women who are, I believe, over 155 pounds. And so there, and, you know, it has an expiration, like shelf life of two years. And so there's, you know, there's some complications with that, but there are, you know, there's talks about funding and really mobilizing around the independent um, abortion clinics that we do have in America. Right over the weekend, you saw a lot of pro-abortion protesters marching on the houses of Brett Kavanaugh and I believe Alito. And so you'll be seeing some real underground organization. You know, this is, it wasn't that long ago that that women were fighting for abortion. So many of those second wave feminists remember what it was like when abortion was illegal. They remember their own illegal abortions. They remember seeing friends and family die and suffer because of illegal abortions. So, you know, a lot of those tactics and political tools will of the second wave will suddenly become relevant again. And um, hopefully we'll see, we'll see more of that. And just for UK listeners, plan B is the morning after pill. It's a bit of a truism that America is polarizing, splitting into liberal and conservative states. And we've seen that more and more and more over the last decade or so. Is this decision going to be a thing that drives them even further apart? Well, I think as you pointed out, this issue actually isn't that polarizing for the average American. The average American agrees that women should have the right to an abortion. And so I think the divide that we're seeing is not happening among too many average Americans. You know, I live in Iowa. I live in the middle of America in a state that is very conservative, very Republican. And, you know, these are not the disagreements that I have with my neighbors and the people who live around me. But I think what the polarization that's happening is happening, you know, in a news media environment that wants to see something as both sides 
rather than the issue as it is, you know, which is an issue of bodily autonomy. So I think there is a little bit of um, of a marketing problem, perhaps. But I mean, in the sense that you are right, that the I think there are studies that actually, I don't think there's a Pew study that shows that the liberal side of America hasn't gone too much farther to the left in the past 20 years. But it's the conservative side of America that continues to get more and more radicalized. So the issue that you're pointing out is really complex and nuanced in that the polarization in America is happening because conservatives continue to be radicalized. And this continues to be something that politicians and leaders of the party refuse to call out and instead play into. You see a lot of conspiracy theories like QAnon. You saw the the, the march on the Capitol, the in- insurrection. So I don't think it's quite fair to say, you know, this is a both sides issue, but definitely America is becoming more radicalized and something needs to be done. Do you think this is going to affect the midterm elections in November? Oh, yes, it will. Um, I, <laughs> well, it doesn't everything. I think at this point, it's too early to tell because um, it, you know, this can affect midterms by further radicalizing conservatives, um, that far right wing fringe of American politics. It can also radicalize liberals. I think what happens remains to be seen and we still have a summer to get to. I think it's important to remember again that this is just the draft of the opinion and a lot of people are waiting to see what the full opinion will be and i think that's when we're really gonna you know feel the political rubber hitting the road of our personal lives and we'll see what happens you know we'll see how people mobilize we'll see how people march but it's gonna be another hot wild radical summer here in america and um, i think people are buckling down for a fight If Roe v. Wade is overturned, what will you be doing? Me personally, um, I will be, um, you know, my, my skill is writing and my skill is speaking and my skills are, are, are that. So I will be using everything in my power to, to tell the stories of women like my sister who could die if they get pregnant, right? I will be doing everything to tell my own story about how I was sexually assaulted in college and how I had to go go get the morning after pill and how that ability and that choice enabled me to have a life and a career, you know, I'll be telling those stories and I'll be doing everything I can to mobilize and allow women to access reproductive justice in whatever form that looks like. But you can you can bet that I'll be knuckling down and fighting here, especially here in Iowa, in this red state where access to abortion is already so precarious. Liz, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having this important conversation. Listeners, remember there's a new Bunker Daily every Wednesday, Thursday and Sunday. We start your week on Mondays, the main panel show on Tuesdays and the Culture Bunker on Saturdays. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any new episodes. You can also support our work on the crowdfunding platform Patreon. Just see our Twitter or Facebook or search Patreon Bunker Podcast.
I'm Ros Taylor. Thanks for listening. See you next time. The Bunker Daily was presented by Ros Taylor. The producers were Jacob Archbold and Yelena Sofronievich. The lead producer was Jacob Jarvis. And the audio producer was me, Jay Bailey. Group editor Andrew Harrison. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker is a Podmasters production. Thank you.